Welcome one and all to episode number 180 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And as I open up a lot of these episodes, it's been a while. Yes, it has. Um, I don't want to make any excuses, just a lot of things going on, uh, as I usually say. And um, I've been holding on to this interview for a little bit. The last episode that we released, um, 179, was, I think, in June, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So, yeah, almost like a a month later, I'm I'm releasing this episode. And apologies, as always, for the the lapse in time between one episode and the other. Uh, Believe me, like everyone else, I'm just... Trying to, uh, you know, (laughs) do my thing. Just trying to uh, get a business off the ground, study, mess my back up in the process, and um, doing other podcasting, you know. I've mentioned it several times on here. I co-host the Mark Striegel podcast on Patreon and his, Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, on his whole... um, Patreon thing, and I mean, honestly, if you take a look at his Patreon site, or if you look at TalkingRock.net, I pretty much post 99.999% of everything that goes on there. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, I this pretty much started out with me doing the new releases stuff uh, for Mark on TalkingRock.net. I mean, I was doing album reviews and I was doing other things and um you know it, it kind of sucks for me to do album reviews because unless it's something that I really like uh, I hate having reviews forced on me like oh you need to listen to this and and give me you know uh, give me your opinion on it it's like okay well you know and uh, what sucks is nowadays is you can't shit on anything because then you get shit on by the PR person. Well, that wasn't the review I was waiting for, I was expecting. Well, what do you want from me? Do you want an honest review or do you want, um, you know, tell me, sugarcoated? You know, and, and, and in that case, if you look at YouTube, you know, what's happened over the last few years, if someone has a purchase spot, like if they're sending their, like a piece of gear or a piece of computer equipment or a video game console to be reviewed on a famous site or or a site that gets a a lot of attention, if they're getting to keep the stuff and it's quote unquote paid promotion as a result, I understand doing a, you know, doing a positive review because they're giving you you know a a free video game console or or the latest you know uh smartwatch or or something like that but an album review where you've got no boat in the race and someone's you know trying to push something down your throat and on top of that they want you to to make it positive you know i I don't know, you're coming to me to ask me to to give you my opinion. This is my opinion. So anyway, getting back to getting back to where I was going. Um the new releases stuff. I love doing the new releases column because I find so much stuff that I wouldn't find otherwise, or I give bands a chance that I wouldn't have otherwise. And the whole process takes a few hours because I go to various sites, I check out, you know, different release dates, and really, with with the pan, the the, the pandemic, with the COVID nineteen coronavirus, every however you prefer to call it, it's been a clusterfuck. Uh, I'll give you the perfect example: Hawken, their album Virus was supposed to come out on June fifth. It was then pushed to June, late June, then early July, and it finally came out last Friday. Um, I had posted it um, earlier in July because a lot of other people had posted it. And yeah, the actual release date is July 24th. So uh, I'm not the only one that did this. Um, 
because with everything going on, less albums are coming out. The release dates are being shifted around by labels and bands and uh, just different things for promotional purposes. And, you know, um, yeah, so so that's been somewhat of a challenge. So I go to various sites, confirm the dates, uh, check out different videos and different things. And my first thing is to go to Patreon and post. I post... Um, I try to do at least one new video, or relatively new, based on new releases uh, that have that have come out. I post that there. Then I go back and and I do I post classic videos and I do uh, a post that does this cover work and the you know ask people's opinion. Do you think this cover of a song works or not? You know, it's nothing revolutionary. Other people have done it um also there is uh again the classics which is is this classic or not there are some people that love the stuff because they haven't listened to a specific track in a long time uh or will tell you hey you know i've always heard about this band but i've never actually heard anything by them i like this you know what should i check out by them they look for people to chime in and um and also i i do something uh, usually towards the end of the week there, which is uh, what are you checking out, which is from, you know, music, podcasts, TV shows, movies. You know, we're all listening to different things. We're all trying to do different things to occupy our time during this, you know, whether you're locked down or not, whether you're working or not. Um, you know, it's just kind of cool to, um, you know, share with the class. What are you checking out that that's really cool that you absolutely like um so anyway again one one of the cool things is checking out new bands and one of the things that i got to do when i used to run ear peeler was check out various podcasts that i wouldn't have otherwise so i kind of equate it to kind of doing the same thing um with this and i've started ramping things up with the uh, Mars Attacks Facebook page and Facebook group uh, because I've created a playlist on YouTube with various videos that I'm coming across that I'm that I'm really enjoying and I'm adding them to the playlist and I'm posting a bunch of other things on on Facebook uh, from the Facebook group to the Facebook page and again it's kind of just my way to let people know, hey, check this out. You know, you might like this. You maybe you don't like it. Uh, there are certainly things that I'm that I don't 100% absolutely love, but you know, maybe it's it's a band that people know. And uh, hell, it's going out on social media, and if the band retweets or shares on Instagram or likes or, or whatever, you know, then that's that's a bonus. That's absolutely cool because it helps get the word out to what I'm trying to do as well draws people to these shows but anyway so so yeah so today's episode of Limbo uh, a band that I didn't I hadn't heard of um previous to being approached by L- Lee Olson she's the wife of former trouble um drummer Oli and um uh she had, we hadn't talked in a long time, and I knew exactly who she was uh, just from previous interactions and whatnot. Um, so she asked me if I would interview them, and I said, sure, why not? Uh, and I did. I got to speak to Jake, uh, the lead singer and uh, sometimes guitarist of the band, and it was pretty cool. Um, Again, I didn't know much about the band. I thought that this was like you know a cool way to get introduced to them. Uh, I do apologize to Lee and Jake that the interview hasn't come out sooner. I'm recording this on uh, July 27th, and I realized as I was editing the interview that I recorded this on May the 27th. So um, again, I wish I would have been able to release this sooner, but just so many things going on. A lot of other things that I haven't mentioned either. Um, not using it as a cop-out, but just saying, you know, and unfortunately, with the way everything else is going on in my life, podcasting a lot of times takes takes a backseat to things, and I don't want it to, and, you know, I want to be able to release more content, but it just, 
is what it is. But um, anyway, uh, what I want to do is I want to play a track by Void Vader. And this is up on YouTube. They recently released a, a split with this cover, with the Queen cover of Tie Your Mother Down. And why I want to include this in this episode. I did speak to Lucas uh, from Void Vader a few episodes back. I believe it was 178. And there's a lot of similarities between his story and Jake's story. Differences, Jake coming from Australia, Lucas coming from Uruguay. Uh, but it's funny, what band kind of really opened your eyes? Nirvana, for both of them. Uh, they both mention um, Metallica, and, you know, I'm, I'm doing this on the fly here. There was, there's a third band that they, that they mentioned that was kind of a, uh, you know, gateway to all this, and, and I apologize that I don't know it right now, but... Listen to the episode and you'll find out exactly what I'm referring to because Jake brings it up. It's the same three bands. So it's it's kind of cool that with um it's 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 kind of how to to quote Van Halen how this younger generation swings. Um yeah, so it's it's neat that they're inspired by the same bands more or less. And they migrated to kind of the same place, you know, they, they migrated to the L.A. Long Beach area uh, to try to make a run of things, you know, to try to make a career out of music. And it was fascinating talking to Jake and, and being like, oh, wow, you know, I've, I've heard this before. So um, because of that, um, I do want to, you know, include a short sound sample of um of tire mother down by void vader uh because they didn't try to do a 100% reproduction of the song or you know they didn't try to copy it uh, 100% they they kind of do their you know their own twist on things so uh let's let's check that out uh, a little bit and see what you guys think <laughs> Classic, tie your mother down. Good friends of the show, Eric Kluber, guitarist of Void Vader. He was kind enough to send me the video. It was one of those things where I was chomping at the bit to hear that and wasn't able to until he sent it. Uh, didn't know that they had released the, the video for it, so uh, my bad for not knowing about it sooner. Uh, anyway... The main course for today is, as I mentioned before, of Limbo, uh, Jake Davies, uh, lead singer and guitarist of the band. And what we're going to do is we're going to get into a little bit of the title track of their latest EP, Nothing But Now. And we're going to check that out, check out a sound sample of that, and then jump on into the actual interview here we go there is nothing but now there is nothing but now there is nothing but fucking but fucking nothing but now there is nothing but now there is nothing but now there is nothing but fucking but fucking nothing but now there is nothing but now there is nothing but now there is nothing but fucking but fucking nothing but now there is nothing but now there is nothing but fucking but fucking nothing but now 
got no future, we've got no past. There is nothing but now and now it won't last. We've got no future, we've got no past. There is nothing but now and now it won't last. There is nothing but now, there is nothing but now, there is nothing but fucking but fucking nothing but now. There is nothing but now, there is nothing but now, there is nothing but fucking but fucking nothing but now. It's interesting to me that uh, recently I've interviewed a bunch of different people um, that have moved to L.A. to continue with the with their musical careers. Uh, the previous person that I spoke to moved from South America to L.A. You obviously from Australia to Long Beach, which is fairly close to L.A. Um, decades ago, it was people moving from the States to that area and now it's interesting that people from all over the world are trying to uh you know get there to 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 get their career going basically um what really made you want to uh you know uproot and and go to california well my brother had actually gotten accepted to berkeley college of music in uh in boston so he was there doing jazz guitar for about a year and i was out here uh in long beach and i was doing doing my movie poster thing which pays the bills and uh we just had spent a, a summer together and uh, the riffs were pouring out of us left right and center one night and uh we just decided that this is what we wanted to do together with our lives so that, that was pretty much pretty much all systems go from then on cool and so you're originally from melbourne correct that is correct yep okay um is there? Can you compare the scene in Melbourne to to what's going on in LA presently? Uh, I think that it would be a uh, we would got, have gotten absolutely nowhere if we tried to do this in Australia. Australia's a, Australian people are very very different. They've uh, they've got a thing that's referred to as tall poppy syndrome, and um, <laughs> It's basically when when one poppy rises above the rest of the field in any kind of way, uh, the rest of the poppies cut you down to size because I don't know they don't they don't like to see it see another one succeeding in any kind of way. It's a, the, the interesting exemption of that rule is when it's about athleticism. If it's about a little a little small guy trying to be on the football team, they'll support him to no end. But if it's somebody that wants to uh, follow a artistic endeavor or anything that's sort of out of the box of what they consider the norm they tend to really want to you know shit on you until you actually make it to, to where you're going and we we really saw a lot of that even when we moved out to america and we told people that this is what we were doing with their lives like oh yeah jake and luke have gone to america to be music oh <laughs> good luck with that you know a lot of a lot of sarcasm and a lot of shitting on us and then at over the years, those things have really progressed and come to fruition, and we've toured with bands like Wolf Mother that they know as superstars out there. Right. Uh, it really, it really puts it in a different perspective for them, and they they often pretend like they've been supporting us all along, which is re- pretty rarely, rarely actually the case. Um, another big aspect that's different with the, the scene over there is there's a much larger gap between um, the levels of uh, being a musician. For instance, you can be a decent musician out here and book yourself gigs at, say, the Viper Room or Whiskey Go-Go if you wanted to pay for it at the Whiskey Go-Go, anyway. Um, and you can you can play to a, a decent-sized audience and you can really get things going for yourself. In Australia, at the, at the very baseline of it, um, you're playing, in Melbourne at least, you're playing at very small sort of pubs like the Tote, with maybe five people in the audience who really aren't there to see you. They just want to drink their beers. I, right. I don't even understand, to be honest, how, how it is that a band like Tame Impala, which is just that one guy, I guess, but how a band like Tame Impala really even breaks through in Australia. They must have gone directly to the international scene rather than trying to make it in Australia first because I, yeah, I don't really understand how that even happens out there. Whereas here, it's a pretty gradual, it's a pretty gradual climb to to uh success you know you, you go step by step your smallest localist place and then 
you move on to your, your Hollywood clubs, like I mentioned. And then uh, when people hopefully see you at those and like you at those, then you maybe get a booking agent behind you and uh, they start setting you up with tours with much bigger bands. And that's pretty much how our, our trajectory is done. Okay. And obviously you're saying that you had a, a footing in what it was like to be there before you kind of started doing stuff uh, with music in California. But were there any rumors heading into this that you had heard uh, before moving to uh, to California that once you got there you realized that it was complete bullshit, that it had nothing to do with what you know people were building up back in Australia? Uh I don't think anybody in Australia really uh, built California in our minds to be uh, any different than it was. Um, our mom, our mom's American, and she grew up in Long Beach, so that's right. always been our connection to Long Beach. We're we're both actually dual citizens, even though we spent most of our lives in Melbourne. We've come back and forth uh, many times, spending time with uh, the extended family out here in Long Beach. So pretty much we knew what we were expecting with Long Beach. One thing that was, I guess, different is when we started doing the band thing. Um, we definitely thought it was going to be a lot easier than it has been. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's with anything these days, you got to really, you got to have the perseverance and the tenacity over, over even the talent. I mean, the talent's important, but geez, it's, I've seen a hundred talented people that have turned tail and shut up shop because, uh, things just got hard at certain points. And it really is 90% about, just keeping on pushing through and keeping on pushing through and going and going and going. Cause at this stage, you know, a band is only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's pretty, pretty rare that a band can get less big unless they've already reached the absolute stratosphere of success. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so having your, your mom be American is, is how you're, you're able to switch between the accents easily. <laughs> Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I've, I've always had the American accent. Um, I, I was born in uh, Alaska and raised in Hawaii till I was about seven. Oh, and okay. then I met, she met a uh, met an Australian guy and uh, moved me over there. So that's where me and Lou grew up from. Uh, I was about seven till twenty three. I always had the American accent over there, so I got a lot of got a lot of fist fights in high school against other Australians uh, trying to pick on me for the for being a Yank, being a Seppo, and all the rest of it. Um, <laughs> Right. But yeah, we can we can both we can both put on the, the Australian accent pretty well. We've got a, a lot of experience with it. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, what was the first band that uh, that you listened to that kind of opened your ears up to wanting to play music? Was there anything that you can pinpoint early on that you said, you know, that's this is what I want to do because this band is doing it? Honestly, when I was uh, when I was a teen and I was playing guitar, I don't know if I had really seen music as 100% where I wanted to go with my future. Um, but I was absolutely obsessed with Nirvana. Like every there wasn't an inch of wall in my bedroom that wasn't covered by Nirvana posters when I was like 10 years old. So I grew up absolutely loving them, and then that sort of grew into a love of Alice in Chains and a love of Metallica. And my, my brother's younger than me. So by the time I'd, I'd hit the Metallica phase was when it was about time for him to be picking up the guitar. And he just, just became absolutely obsessed with Metallica. To this day, it's still his favorite band ever. So that's really where our, our set of influences for, what came from was, was the great Metallica, great five Metallica albums and uh deep love of Alice in Chains and, before that, probably Nirvana, but Luke is, Luke since then has gone into a much wider uh, spectrum of influence than I've ever delved into. As I said, he was a uh, classically trained jazz guitarist at Berkeley School of Music for a while, so he, he knows knows his jazz standards back to front. And uh, <laughs> yeah, his, he casts his net a lot wider than than my narrow narrow mind can. <laughs> All right, gotcha. Um, Nothing But Now was recently released. Um, were these songs things that you had written specifically for that EP? Were, was any of the material kind of just lying around, which finally, you know, you, you get that moment where you have that, um, you know, spark of inspiration to finally 
make the puzzles puzzle pieces fit so that maybe a riff works or maybe a lyric works for for something that ended up on the EP? Yeah, so the way that that, that worked this time is um, we almost always we've got a gigantic catalog that we're just always struggling to to get through and record. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, record, recording costs are quite expensive. Um, our now dear friend and producer of that album, Mike Pepe, saw us over at uh, Viper Room one night, and he said, "Guys, I got to get you into my studio barefoot. You, you're amazing. I need to record you now." And uh, we <laughs> said, "Sign us." sign us the F up. So he came over to our house and, uh, one of the, the deals that he made with us about, uh, giving us a rate that we could actually afford as an unsigned band, um, was that he would be able to select which songs he wanted to record of ours. Okay. So we played a, a back catalog of say 30 or so demos. And, uh, those are the four that, that he really wanted to do. And metal, which is yet to be uh, put out in the public, other than on the CD, the limited edition CD form, that song was one that he said, "This is absolutely non-negotiable. I have to, I have to be the one to record this song." And that one's kind of our baby. So we, uh, yeah, we we said yes to all the all the four that he wanted to do, which was nothing but now, uh, my kind of girl, somebody else, and metal. Cool. Uh, nothing but now was probably the uh, the one that was the the furthest away from. Uh, being a complete song we really started with just just a vocal that i i woke up with in my head and did a little voice memo of and then we scratched together this really rough idea of what the guitar would do along with the vocal and then that was one that we we really pieced the song together with mike as far as its uh structure and what everything else would do so that was the the only one that was really not completely pretty polished by the time it came to him okay um, why an EP as opposed to doing a, a full length? Was it a stipulation from him that he only wanted to do four, or is it something that, uh, you know, both the band and he decided that you guys wanted to keep it to an EP? No, it's, uh, it, it, it really falls down to the cost thing primarily, my man. Um, okay. When you're an unsigned, when you're an unsigned band, I, I don't want to tell you how much, how much doing a full length costs. At a, at a studio like Barefoot in Hollywood, mm-hmm. but a full length is is when you've got serious budgets from a, a serious record label, and uh, for us to even get four songs done in there was uh, a financial hit for sure. And that we've been really grateful to have uh, fans that have supported us uh, through that by buying the limited edition version of it, so that we can head back in there soon. But that's the main reason is it's really pretty cost prohibitive to do a, a full 10 to 12 songs and honestly in this day and age dude if, if i have my choice for the rest of my life i would prefer to package songs in four to six mm-hmm. because people just have such a limited attention span now right. um if you're gonna if you're gonna put the insane amount of effort that goes into writing recording and uh, releasing music uh you gotta you gotta have the ears give it the most attention you can possibly get on them so i found that with us the best way for us to release songs is is really one by one put them in a package eventually as as an ep let's say but but put them put them out one by one has been our our best way to get ears on them at least right I mean, I've I've been saying for a lot of these bands, a lot of bands that have been around for a while, they're they're forcing themselves to put out like these full lengths when maybe there's one or two decent tracks on it, and everything else is just kind of filler. It almost makes more sense to take that approach and make sure that you've got four songs that absolutely kick ass, as opposed to having you know four kind of good songs and then like eight other songs that are for the most part forgettable, you know. I totally agree with you on that. I mean, especially if you're a a band that's like really uh, successful on your legacy, let's say, I don't know, Motley Crue or something like that. Um, A band like that, it it really doesn't make any sense to even record an EP, to be honest. I think a band like that should just make one single and release that. And then that's what you sort of use to prop yourself up to tour again. The other thing I'll say to that is it's really quite tough for a band to know when something is is the absolute tit that everyone's going to like the most. For instance, Smells Like Teen Spirit, they thought that was going to be, you know, a whatever kind of song that was on there. They they really believed in um, 
I think it was Lithium and and, uh, and Bloom was the ones that they thought were going to be the biggest on that album. And mm-hmm. Obviously, what happened was Smells Like Teen Square was one of the biggest rock songs in history. So it's, it's the same way kind of with us. I mean, I I always had a... I liked Nothing But Now. It was very different for us. It's nothing like we've ever done before, which we always try and strive to do is keep, keep doing things different. Um, but it was really one that I, I didn't know how our existing audience would react to and what new newcomers to the band would, would react to it as. Cause it's, almost, it's so fast in the vocals, it's almost like rappy. It's very different from any other music that I, or any other band I can think of. Um, so I, I wasn't sure how it would be received. And I would have thought that uh, one that's yet to be released, uh, Metal, would be the, the biggest song we've ever done. But thus far, really, the, the reaction that we've gotten to to nothing but now has been been pretty staggeringly positive so uh yeah you never you never really know what what people are going to like the most yeah and that's interesting because nothing but now definitely stands out i think for the 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 syncopation and the cadence of your voice it really is something that you know for for the most part at least for me if you listen to a lot of rock music that's coming out a lot of it is just like it's all cookie cutter and similar. And instantly I heard that and I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is kind of fresh and different, uh, than, than what I'm used to hearing from, from bands. Um, you know, from- I really, I really appreciate, I really yeah. appreciate that brother. I mean, uh, one thing, one thing that we're really, we've gone through different, uh, MOs, whatever, uh, slogans for the band as, as different times have happened. When we, when we really started, uh, me and my brother, like five years ago, I think it was now, the, the slogan was about about making real rock, you know, and, and because the only music that we were hearing that was uh, considered rock and coming out at the time was this sort of hipstery uh, indie rock. Not that I hate the Strokes. I quite like the Strokes, but it was that kind of, you know, much, much more softer, hipster kind of rock. Yeah. And now what, now what I've seen happen that, that is just the slogan is uh, that all the rock that seems to be coming out now is this, like, throwback rock where they're all trying to emulate the greats of the past in, in classic rock and it's like if i want to hear aerosmith i'm gonna fucking listen to aerosmith right. i don't need to hear <laughs> i don't need to hear this this latest band that's like they look like they're wearing costumes fucking weird hats and shit like that i don't need to i don't need to hear that um i i'll go listen to aerosmith and same as this led zeppelin i'd rather listen to fucking led zeppelin <laughs> So yeah. that has been a, a big, a big mission statement uh, in the current format. Is like you know, let's trying to make original sound music and not try and emulate the greats because you're never gonna, you're never gonna be better than the greats. They're mm-hmm. they're the greats for a reason. You can counterfeit it, and yeah, maybe you can, you can convince a couple of teeny boppers that that you're you're hot when you're a little hobbit and you're wearing funny little '70s clothes. I don't know, but <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not for us. Yeah, I, I I get what you're saying. I, I I do a new releases column, and I see a lot of this stuff, and I'm like, okay, all right, you know, it's it's yeah. just kind of weird. I I I don't get the three musketeer hats that are like uh, pe- people are wearing. <laughs> it it just it it doesn't yeah. make sense. Like, okay, maybe Richie Blackmore wore something like that in the '70s, but like you're saying, you yeah, know, a, a lot it of just, these. Yeah, just seems... Go ahead. It just feels like cosplay. Yeah, it it. As as you're saying, a lot of times I get things to li- to review or whatever, and it's like after listening to it, you kind of want to go back to to kind of what originally put water in that well, and you, you want to drink from that and remember why you liked a certain style of music instead of you know uh, the the 17th generation or the 17th wave of a specific style. So yeah, I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah, at the same at the same time though, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to shit on anybody for, for yeah. doing what makes them happy in life. If that's what sports happen and they found some, they found some success in doing it, then uh, good for them. Yeah, but, yeah, I it's, it's not not going to be not going to be what we ever try to do. That's for sure. Yeah, you mentioned before that you know you work with um, graphic arts with posters and stuff like that um, for movies and whatnot. Um, obviously, the the your musical output is also a you know uh, something with the arts as you had mentioned and a, another creative output. How involved were you in the making of the video for Nothing But Now? Because that's definitely also something that's kind of outside the box with 
just how it all comes together. Thank you, brother. Um, the idea of it was uh, something me and Luke uh, came up with, which is basically the sort of off and on of the of the neon lights and then the bright lights when the when the chorusy screamy thing happens to sort of feel like it's jarring and uh, you know I don't know like like getting spot getting spotlit while you've been asleep or something. Right. Um, and then we had a we had our good friend Tony Verselli direct it, which was a, a a great great help to us. And and my other friend Aaron, uh, who I've worked for many times at the studio we actually shot in, was a studio that I used to work for a lot doing movie posters. They let us use their uh, their studio for the day on the weekend, which was very very kind of them. And then as far as uh, what the final output was, I well, after we shot it uh, here in L.A., I went to visit family in Australia with my little brother. And um, we uh, we sat there over Christmas, and mom would make us lunches, and we'd hang out in the house. And I sat there editing the whole time, and made the made the video out of the speech. <laughs> Oh, cool. well, that can happen in, in the sitting there in the editing phase. You can come up with a lot of weird little, little ideas, like the flickery thing that happened purely by by happy mistake, and we just ran with it. Cool. Okay. Given everything that's going on in the world right now, um, what are your current plans with of Limbo from here to the end of the year? As a, as you know, there's really uh, no no clear clear direction as it stands. Um, couple of states I know are having live performances again, like our, our friends Oddfellas out in Texas. They're, they're starting to play again, but it doesn't look like that's happening here in California anytime soon. We're really hoping we get to go out and play the Sturgis Rally in South Dakota again this year. It's going to be the 80th, 80th Rally. We played it last year for the 79th and had, a, had an amazing time. So we're hoping that uh, that still stays a go, which it seems like it is, because... Uh, yeah, the the governor of South Dakota is pretty pretty pro opening back up from everything that I hear, and uh, you know you're not going to tell bikers what to do no matter what. So <laughs> right, hope that happens. Okay, where should people go to keep up with the band? Oh, uh, best place to, to follow us is either on our Instagram, uh, which is at of Limbo, one word O F L I M B O, or at Facebook.com forward slash of Limbo. We also have our website, which is oflimbo.com, and you can buy the new C- limited edition to only 100 copies ever CD uh, of Nothing But Now. Uh, I think we've gone through about 60 sales of that so far, so yeah, it's get, getting down there, and uh, if anybody wants to hear these these two songs that have yet to be released, somebody else and, and metal, that's the only place to do it. Otherwise, you can find us on Spotify and listen to our latest two singles, which are Nothing But Now and My Kind of Girl. Cool. And to wrap things up, uh, what song should we end the interview with? And uh, tell us something about that song. Uh, let's put on My Kind of Girl because it's the latest. Um, it's a uh, idea my little brother had. He was We were on the balcony having beers one night, and uh, we often talk about different what a theme for a song could be because we like, we like to tell stories in songs rather than just have random words as, as cool as Jim Morrison's lyrics were about lizard King and the desert and upside down eyeballs and weird stuff like that. It just never really pours out of us that way. We like to sort of tell stories with the songs. The idea with this one was, uh, yeah, it was just about you're all my kind of girl loving, loving women for, for what makes them unique, what makes them beautiful and appreciating them for their differences. So that's what that was. And he played this one little soft sex little riff with a bit of a bendy in it one time. I said, oh, dude, that's got to be, that's got to be my kind of girl. And we built the song around that. Love's a small old shirt on top Sam knew me Do that blonde red head on ball Baby, you're out for me Dark and white and black and white Girl, you know what I mean There's no such thing as wrong or right I like everything in between You're just my kind Oh, 
can see From London, Sydney to Japan Or here in Los Angeles Cool and calm, what you want to wear Let me your heart on gold Let just voluptuous Girls, I love you all You're just my kind Taking a page from Mr. Chris Aiken of the uh, Aftershock podcast and the classic metal show there by uh, asking people to, you know, tell us a little bit about one of their favorite songs off of the album before uh, jumping off here. So, cool. Um, Thanks to Lee Olson for making that interview happen, and thanks to Jake Davies for coming on and talking a little of Limbo uh, with us. Um, Got a little bit of time here left. We're going to jam some songs. Uh, Like I said, you know, I like promoting newer bands, so let's let's play some sound samples of some newer bands out there that I think that are kind of, you know, worth your time listening to. This is a band out of Brazil. Um... They're called Electric Mob. Lead singer is Renin. Uh, in English, it would be Zonta. And uh, just fucking powerhouse singer. He's he's already all over these Frontiers <laughs> projects. Uh, Frontiers, for as much as I love to poo-poo them for just putting these uh, supergroups together... Um, I think they've been doing a great job lately with releasing some stuff from lesser-known acts or newer acts in a lot of cases. And uh, Electric Mob is is one of them. And uh, Devil You Know, a very interesting video, posted this up on Patreon a few months back. And someone's comment was... Um, A, love the song. B, how much, <laughs> how high were they when they recorded this video? So it's pretty interesting, pretty out there. So anyway, uh, the name of the Electric Mob album is Discharge. The name of this track is Devil You Know. I got my mojo working, baby You can run, but you can hide From the sweet, dark, naughty little desires That are on your mind Tell me about it Satisfy your desires They call me fallen angel, babe Open new morning, starry light I guess by now you want to know my name I have so many, just one that you like
rise I'm the cycle of pain I'm the darkest of lights I am the whisper that you want inside Alright, so here's something a little different uh, it's got to be difficult to follow in someone's footsteps, a hugely famous uh, singer, songwriter, drummer, um, Simon Collins, the son of uh, Phil Collins, uh, is going to have his sixth solo album released on Frontiers, and he's done other collaborations in the past. Yes, I understand. Not a new, not a new artist by any stretch of the imagination, but new to me, and probably new to a lot of people that are listening. So that's why I wanted to include it. Um, this is the title track off of his upcoming album called "Becoming Human." Let's check this out. <laughs> I know what it is to be a glimpse of time in the multiverse And I know that there's a truth beyond our lives and non-existence I know that when we close our eyes to mask our own resistance And I know we're riding on the edge of time, creation and existence Nobody gave you the tools to connect the dots to the God inside you. So don't you know it? All you need is love for becoming human. Being human. So please little different there kind of um i don't know kind of an industrial thing there maybe kind of a, a pop thing going on there but still cool nonetheless at least in my opinion um we're gonna close things up with the sword yeah i know they're not new i know they got to open up for metallica i got to interview their guitars a few years back for those of you that don't know or don't remember but um still a band that hey they're uh what is it? they've been around since 2006 they just put out two compilations uh but still a band that i feel kind of needs to have more attention drawn to them uh part of the compilation they've or part of the compilations that they've released uh have a, a bunch of different cool cover songs and and what i like is that uh some of these could be considered kind of staples but others not so much um here's a an old folk song uh, an old religious song however you want to call it um john the revelator and uh this is their take on it thanks for listening and we'll see you next time right here on the mars attacks podcast see ya Tell me who's that writing? John the Revelator. Tell me who's that writing? John the Revelator. Tell me who's that writing? John the Revelator. The book of the seven seals. Who's that writing? John the Revelator. Tell me who's that writing? John the Revelator.
Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 